when I realized I didn't care what anyone else thought, that was like a big aha yeah. moment for me. And I just said, I'm just going to do what I like. And I don't care if anyone likes it or not. Welcome to the Earn Your Happy Podcast. I'm Lori Harder, founder of The Bliss Project, three-time fitness world champion, fitness expert, and cover model turned self-love junkie, lifestyle entrepreneur, and author. Each week, I'll bring you a guest or a thought that will help you bust through your fears, connect to your soul, and get focused and clear so you can elevate your life, business, and relationships. We don't wait until we're ready for someone to tell us we're good enough. We take what we want and we anoint ourselves. Get ready to earn, own, and unapologetically rock your happiness every single day. Are you with me? Here we go. Welcome back to the show. This next woman is somebody I am so excited came into my life. Sometimes you get those women that just walk into your world and completely change it. And I can tell you that Heather Dubrow is one of those women. Not only is she just somebody who I'm obsessed with getting to have conversations with because I love how her brain works, but she also is an investor in Light Pink, which is just so cool when you connect with women that you share the same vision. Heather Dubrow is an actress and author singer and entrepreneur, mom and wife. She's a veteran of scripted television. And you may also recognize her from her five seasons as the champagne drinking brunette in a sea of blondes on the Real Housewives of Orange County. She's also an accomplished host with credits ranging from newsrooms to talk shows. Heather's top rated podcast, Heather Dubrow's World, has amassed a huge following with over 100.5 million downloads. You guys, I am in the podcast world is the, and that is absolutely freaking nuts. So she must be having epic conversations over there. And I can tell you right now, I've listened to some of her podcasts and the women on there will blow your mind. Go check it out. If you love this show, I feel like it has a very similar vibe. Heather's also well-known internationally for her sense of design and fashion as evidenced by her YouTube channel, Heather's Closet, which has millions of downloads. She's married to the world-renowned plastic surgeon, Dr. Terry Dubrow, star of Ease Hit TV series, Botched. I know you guys have probably watched that at least one or two times. Together, the Dubrows have authored three books, including Dr. and Mrs. Guinea Pig, Present, The Only Guide That You'll Ever Need to Be the Best Anti-Aging Treatments, The Dubrow Diet, and their latest book, The Dubrow Keto Fusion Diet. You guys, she is an entrepreneur. She is an author. She is an amazing actress. And I can't wait for you to listen in on this conversation because she's just so down to earth. I'm obsessed with her. Let's get started. Heather, I'm so excited to have you on the show. Hi, thanks for having me. <laughs> this is so much fun because you guys, I just got to be on her show. So I feel like this is like a continuation of a conversation. And I had so much fun talking to you that I'm kind of like, okay, I'm craving another conversation. So here we are. This is amazing. Don't you love that? It's one of the things that honestly I love about podcasting, mm -hmm. which, you know, my show, I've been doing it for five years and it's kind of changed over the years. But what I found was not just with the podcast, but through the pandemic, this Zoom thing, which mm -hmm. I really thought would be strangely filtering, I find actually that it's somehow more connecting because it feels like, you know, when you listen to a podcast, it's very intimate. 
-hmm. It still feels intimate, but we can see each other as opposed to maybe because, you, you know, the energy is different than sitting across from each other. I don't know. I just, but I love it. And when I spoke to you a week or two ago, whenever it was, I thought, oh my God, I love this girl and we need to be friends, friends. And I said, I was talking to Terry last night and I go, you know, what's so funny. I go, Lori, Melissa Rivers, Allie Webb. I go, there's all these girls that I feel Mm. like I've become acquainted with over the last few months that I love. And one of the things I love the best is there's no drama. It's just like Mm. everyone that I've met and you included smart, successful, not competitive, non-jealous, but promoting and helping other women and creating cool communities. I love it. Oh my God. I I feel the same way. And I feel like once you, once it's kind of in your like vortex that that's what you want and that's what you're looking for. It's just, you find one and it's kind of like epic women, no epic women. And it's staying open to that, right? Like just kind of in asking, like I've definitely had those moments where, you know, I find a couple amazing women and I'm like, Hey, who else do you know? Or, or who else do you hang around? Or you kind of get into that like atmosphere of it. And it's also like what you're not willing to tolerate anymore. Right. Like I definitely went through a point in my life where I'm like, okay, I'm actually going to like, you know, whether I had FOMO before on this group or that group, I'm like, not, it's not worth it. Because I actually think that when you just decide to like stop that, whether it's something dramatic or maybe it's like just not an energetic fit for you. I've definitely had groups where I thought that I needed, you know, to get in this group maybe for business or for whatever that looks like, right? Like whatever, whatever you thought that you needed. Yeah. Um, It's kind of like once I kind of cut that out of my like desire of thinking that I needed that or wanted that, even though I knew it wasn't aligned, like I didn't feel like myself around those people. I always kind of left feeling a bit empty or whatever that looked like when I stopped trying to fit in, I was like, huh, this whole other world opened up. What, like, what do you think that is Heather? Like what, what was that for you that you just decided like, you know, like these are the type of people that I want. And how did that all switch for you? I'm still figuring it out, man. I'm 51. (laughs) I'm still figuring it out. But what you just said is just so true. And it, and it doesn't have to, and by the way, those people you're sitting with, they might be perfectly fine people. Cause I know absolutely like a a lot of us talk about getting toxic people out of your life. Mm -hmm. I think we're all clear that toxicity is bad and that you don't (laughs) want to be around people that don't root for you and all that kind Mm -hmm. of stuff. But I think what we don't realize sometimes is that even people who are cool and fun and interesting and smart still might not be right for you. And that's okay. Because Mm -hmm. if you walk away to your point, feeling empty, jealous, Mm -hmm. even if there's no reason to be weird, uncomfortable, those are not good emotions, any of that. And whether it's them putting something on you, you putting something on you, it, it is finding those groups. And what I have found in the in recent times, especially because we're still allowed to go out from time to time here in Orange mm-hmm. County, um, <laughs> is that if I'm sitting somewhere and, and, and this is what I find is that everywhere I sit now, I never look around mm. ever. I remember even two, three years ago, being out at a restaurant and like who's sitting over there or you bump into someone on the way in and you go, ooh, that's cool. I wish I was sitting at that table or, um, oh, that's so cool. We should get to, like, maybe part of it's social and part of it's, you know, networking and, and all of that. So there's really nothing wrong with 
feeling like that. I don't mean mm-hmm. like, Ooh, I wish I was friends with them. I just mean, I would still be like, you know, cause I'm ambitious and, and want to go to those next levels and, and all mm-hmm. of that. But I find that wherever I am, I'm so much more present than I've ever been. I don't care if my back is to the room. I mean, I don't like my back to them just cause I like sitting with my back against the wall, but not mm-hmm. because of any other reason than that a little Al Capone kind of thing, not because, but, but I don't need to see who else is there. I'm whoever I'm with mm-hmm. and is in front of me to me is the most important person. And if I don't want to talk to that person, I shouldn't be at the table. I, this is my thing mm-hmm. about dinner parties. If you're throwing a party, whether it's your birthday party, a dinner party, a holiday party, whatever it is, and you're making your guest list, I always say, make if you were making the table you have to make sure every single person coming is someone you'd want to sit next to. Oh, that is good. Because if there's yeah. someone on your list that you want there, but you wouldn't want them next to you, why are you inviting them? There, mm-hmm. I don't get that. They shouldn't be at your table. Every single person should be the person to sit next to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and the funny thing is, is you'll invite that person that you wouldn't want to sit next to and you'll end up sitting next to them. <laughs> Like well, that's why, well, that's why I always do place cards. Let's be honest. <laughs> there is no accidental seating in my world, Lori. None. Yay. And that's, so that's a really interesting topic in and of itself is I feel like I have become that person who realized that life is curatable. Like yes. you can curate every experience you know, in a way that, that literally creates a world that you enjoy living in. So I love that. Like what? Like I was just thinking exactly with, uh, you know, even having a dinner party at your house. Like I used to always be like, man, I, I wish that we would have like deeper conversations. Like I wish that we could like get into the meat right away. And then I thought, well, why can't I curate that conversation? Like, what would I do if I wanted that curated? Well, I'd probably like as weird as people may think it is. I've had dinner parties where I put questions in a bowl. I love and we that. all go around and ask these like way deeper questions because if I'm sick of something and I'm complaining about it, that means I'm like either not doing something about it or I'm tolerating something. So for me, I'm like, all right, if I want this experience at my house where people connect deeply, like deeper, quicker, then why don't I just take charge? Even though every time, Heather, I feel weird when I do it. It's like, oh God, I'm going to be that girl right now. But then I'm so happy that I did because it like spurs a whole other level of conversation and like these really actually things that can really change your life when you do that. I agree. But I think when, especially when it's a dinner party and I like mm-hmm. sm- like smaller, so I did it at our table, I did a square dining table in this house. So yeah. it's four couples. But if I change out the chairs and I do like, like Chervari chairs, mm-hmm. I can do six couples. I can fit 12 mm-hmm. around, but it's intimate and close. But my whole thing is you have to know your audience. That's true. <laughs> that is true. Cause I, I don't know if I do that with everyone. Right. So I am obsessed with those kinds of things. And I do that with my kids. Mm. And even though it drives them insane, and especially over lockdown when we were all together a lot, I would, (laughs) you know, pull up question cards and find different kinds of topics off the internet to sort of spur those conversations. I love stuff like that. But sometimes it isn't the right crowd for that. Sometimes the crowd... Is, and, and I'm totally okay with this too, is to have cocktail party conversation yeah. and keep it light and fun and breezy because I feel like sometimes that's enough just to have be- like beautiful tablescape and mm-hmm. lovely champagne yeah. and, and feel like you, you look pretty 
and put on nice music. And what I always do, honestly, with a dinner party is I always have a photographer come Mm. for the first 30 minutes. I take a group picture. I like a picture of my tablescapes because I like to, you know, plan that I love the aesthetics of the whole thing. And then everyone can have a picture with their significant other and then they're gone and the phones go away. Oh, that's so smart. That's really smart. You're like, okay, now we're good. So we don't have to be doing our social media anymore. Like now we can drop in. I don't want to sit there and, you know, I've had to sort of weed out sometimes some friends that, you know, tend to do this a lot, but I don't want to take 7,000 photos in every corner of the thing from every angle at every moment of the evening. I just don't want to do that. Let's take the photo. Let's have a pretty picture. Everyone's fresh and then put them away and let's just have fun. We're not on TV. No one's watching us. Let's dance. Let's sing. Let's, you know, be silly. I mean, we had, I had a dinner party once where we ended up tap dancing, four of us. Oh my God, I would love that. (laughs) It was crazy. And it was just funny what we got into a conversation about backgrounds and tap and whatever. Mm -hmm. And that's when the fun happens, when you can sort of, you know, unplug like that. Did you tap? Did you tap dance? Well, you know, I started in musical theater, so I kind of did. Okay. I'm not going to pretend to be any kind of fabulous dancer. I was more of a singer, (laughs) actress, but I can dance and I did take tap. Oh my God. So you have done, it's funny. I was like looking through all of the different things that you have done in your past. You've kind of, you've kind of done it all. Is that (laughs) out of an interest? Like, what did that look like for you? Was it things that you, have you always been someone who's just kind of followed your curiosities or followed your heart and you're like, whatever, it doesn't matter. I don't mind failing. Or did that come over time? No, I wish I was that person. Ah. I think, um, I think I'm that person now. Mm. I, I, you know, they say, what would you tell your younger self? I mean, I wish I could, I wish I could have been that person then I was you know, like everyone when you're super young, not everyone, but I, I had a terrible anxiety disorder, still do, very insecure. And I didn't have like a warm, fuzzy family. I had very yeah. cold, ni- very nice parents, but like 1950s, no one talked about anything. And, right. you know, and, and one sister, you know, it was just very, it wasn't warm and fuzzy. And so kind of had to deal with those things my own and keep them inside. And, but I was always very driven and I always performed. So Mm -hmm. I was always singing and always, I was always into musical theater. I thought I was going to do Broadway. That was just, I was very clear. I auditioned for Syracuse University. I got into a very exclusive program there. They only took 15 girls and 15 guys every year. It was, and I did that. And then through a series of hooks and crooks, I ended up in LA because I ended up doing this little TV show thing and they flew me out here. So I ended up doing all these different things. I was, you know, the lead singer for a 14 piece big band. That's what I did instead of waiting tables. You know, that was my bread and butter. And, you know, then I got better acting gigs and I was a scripted actress and I did TV. I did, you know, I was a series regular on five series. I did movies. I did movies of the week, all that. Met my husband, had seven, four kids in seven years and then ended up on reality TV. And then, but I think it was, if I could answer that question correctly, I would say it was in the middle of Housewives mm-hmm. that I was able to understand that the landscape of television had changed and that the world was changing and that social media had changed everything because yeah. when I started, that just didn't exist. And so I think I that's when I started kind of growing with the times. And my husband is so good at playing the cards that are in front of him. And that was never my thing, but I learned to do that. Mm. Mm-hmm. What do you think is that? Well, first I want to go back to the 
uh, with your family talking about how they never talked about anything. I can totally relate to that. And I want to know how that affected you. Like you feeling like, you know, how did you cope when you wanted to talk about something or were there things in your life that you were like, am I normal? Is this normal? Like, who do I reach out to? How did you kind of cope then if you had a family that you never, you never could bounce ideas off of or say how you felt or, or how does that, how did that affect you um, back then and now? Funny, no one ever asked me that before. I wish that I had had like a therapist at the time, but I didn't really know from that. Yeah. What, you know, in high school, it was mostly high school. Yeah, it was very difficult. I mean, I always had the anxiety, but in high school, things sort of came to a head. I had a bunch of bad experiences and, you know, I smoked a lot of pot in high school. I wasn't particularly interested in grades. I never really thought I was smart. Mm. And so, and I, and I knew I was going to be a performer, so I didn't really care. Um, partied with my friends, that kind of thing. I, I, I relied on friends a lot, which to, for part of your question is why friends are, have always been important to me, too mm. important in some cases. And yeah. I've been very disappointed through my life mm. with friends because I place too much importance sometimes on them because it's like a substitute yeah. family in some regards. Um, I went through, I tried on a lot of hats, you know, mm-hmm. I went through a lot of different phases through high school, through college, through moving out to Los Angeles. It tried on a lot of different hats until I started figuring out who I was. And, you know, we don't know who we are in our twenties and I think thirties anyway, yeah. and that's <laughs> fine. But what was great was I think that as I got older and became more confident, because as we know, it's really all about that confidence. Mm-hmm. As I started saying, wait a minute, I don't need your opinion on things and I can trust my judgment and I can trust my own opinion. And maybe I maybe I didn't respect myself enough or trust myself enough and, and my opinions are good and I am smart and I value myself. Like all of those lessons, I just really had to learn on my own. And I will also tell you, and this is such a, it's funny to me because people will a lot of times ask me like who the biggest female, who who the influence was in my life. Mm-hmm. But I will tell you my biggest mentor truly has been Terry. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. He truly, and I don't mean this in like a creepy <laughs> way because I, you know, I love my husband and I'm attracted to him obviously. And we've been together 24 years, <laughs> but he also help raise me. And Mm -hmm. I feel like I did the same for him too. But for me, he really pointed out things in me that I never saw and couldn't see. And, and, you know, I met him when I was 27. Mm -hmm. And so it, it was like at a crucial time where I was like figuring myself out and, and it's been quite a journey. Mm. Oh my God. So I, have been on so many interviews where I say, Chris, my husband is literally my biggest mentor. Like he kind of did that same exact thing for me. Isn't that amazing? Um, you know, it's amazing. I have goosebumps right now because it's like, you know, I met him when I was 21, kind of like, you know, just younger, very influential. And and I think that there were things so I, I, about him that he was able to pull out of me. And also it wasn't just, it wasn't just all about like, you know, you're amazing. You're this, you're that. He also was so willing to give me tough love. 
Um, yeah. So I'm wondering if for you, if Terry was able, it, like how that relationship was with like maybe helping you see your blind spots or do you guys feel like you, you know, does that cause more like fights or does it like how, tell me about that particular like relationship and how that works for not only, you know, seeing great things in you, but you know, what, were there ever points where he was just kind of like, did you feel like you ever get like poked or? Oh you know? yeah. It's been a yeah. show. You know, it's 24 <laughs> years. I mean, that's yeah. what, that's what relationships are. And I, I, you know, I get worried when I hear younger kids and young couples talking about the perfection of marriage and everything. Mm. There's, you know, there's tough days, months, weeks, years. There's yeah, for sure. Years, 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 years. <laughs> the years. No, honestly. And, yeah. and it's how you get through them. So I'll tell you for, with me, for him, and maybe mm-hmm. it's because I'm a, a mom and maybe I got better at this after I became a mother, but I know how to handle Terry. I really mm-hmm. understand who he is as a person and always have understood who he is as a person and what he needs. I know when he needs to me, for me to shut up and just listen. I know mm-hmm. when he needs, you know, help or advice from me. And I know when he needs like the man up speech versus the just hugging and right. coddling speech, because we all need kind of a little bit of the, all of that. Mm-hmm. Terry, you know, he was raised, his parents were married five times collectively. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of broken homes and, and like he didn't get along with his real brother. He barely saw his half brother. He had mm-hmm. three, you know, stepbrothers he didn't get along with. He didn't really have a great foundation for relationships. Yeah. So as smart as he is, and intellectual as he is, he certainly, and as a wonderful bedside manner as the man has for his patients, mm-hmm. that didn't always translate into our relationship. So mm. I'll say that, you know, it's been like a really big learning process, but there were certainly times where he was like, you sound small, you sound insecure, you sound, you know, mm. like totally gave it to me. And maybe not in the moment where I was prepared to hear it or with the delivery system that maybe worked for me at that particular time. But again, I think that's what's really important about relationships is, you know, figuring out who the other person is and how they need to hear it and when they need to hear it. It's kind of like this. And I know all women can relate to this. If you get dressed and you're in the car on the way to the event, and you say, how do I look? Guess what, people? The answer is always perfect. You look amazing. My gosh, I've never <laughs> yes. seen you look better. If you're in your closet and there's 30 minutes before you have to leave the house and you're like, what do you think? And you really don't think it looks good. I, you can tell me then. Don't tell yeah. me in the car when there's nothing for me to do at. And I remember we were going, this is, <laughs> oh my God, I can't believe I just remember this. We were on our way to the People's Choice Award. I was on the show, Star Graving Mad. No we big deal. Nom- yeah, we were nominated. It was a big deal. And they, I had this like shorter, like kind of 90s sitcom hair. And the guy that did my hair had never done it before. And it was like crazy and curled and weird and whatever. But I was wearing this beautiful Valentino dress and it had like, <laughs> like undergarment issues. And I was nervous and there was this huge red carpet and, and whatever. And Terry basically told me in the limo, on the way there, how bad my hair looked and wanted me to fix it in the limo. And you understand it's like, it's not like 
long hair that you can put up or what. It was, it was so bad. It was such a bad moment. And I'll show you the pictures. I mean, he was right, but that's not (laughs) the point. You don't say it then. So anyway, so I think like the lesson I'm trying to say that I've learned (laughs) and what we've learned over the years is you got not only like before, you always have to know your audience and you have to know Mm -hmm. what the right timing is, which is sometimes really hard for me too. Cause if I'm angry about something, yeah, like I really want to talk about it. Same. <laughs> and he really doesn't want to talk about it. He uh-huh. really wants to walk away. But I, again, I, as you get older, like, you know, I don't like when people say, it's, is it better to be right or have peace? I don't like that because sometimes I do want to be right and fuck mm-hmm. off. But, yeah. <laughs> but I do believe in thinking, is this really going to be an important a month from now? Yeah. Or a year from now? Do do. Like, do I really care? Is this really important? The answer might be yes. But if the answer is no, then honestly, let it go. Oh my God. So yeah, would you rather be right or have peace? I kind of go with the pick your battles instead because that's, I'm always like, all right, what's going to be the outcome? What does this really mean to me? Is this something I could, because there, there are totally moments. Like I think people look at probably, you know, you and Terry or, or like, Chris and I, and they're like, oh, that marriage looks so great. They get along so great. I'm like, there are moments where my, like, I want to strangle him. Like still a lot actually, but I get over them quickly. Like, I'm just like, nope. You know what? I also understand you have to take into, into consideration the context, right? Like, especially if you guys are together a lot, or maybe he works from home sometimes. So Chris and I also work from home together. It's kind of like, all right, well, I did talk to him or throw that at him, like when he had five minutes in between appointments. So now I can start really looking at like, oh, okay, I got that response. Like I feel, I keep feeling like I'm not important because I'm talking to him in the middle of his work day. So if I want to judge whether I'm important or not, how about I do it when he's done with this moment, you know? But you know, what's hard about that. And totally what you're talking about is then there's never a right moment sometimes. That's true. When you're working together. We've gone through periods of time where it's like, I'm waiting for the moment because it, I can't talk before he leaves for work in the morning because it's early mm. and he's got a full day and I don't want to do that. Can't talk while he's there about it, something serious or, you know, or, or to vent or, what you know, like that or an argument mm-hmm. or whatever in the middle of the day because I don't want to screw up his day and he's seeing patients or whatever he's doing. And then, you know, the moment someone gets home, they need to relax for five minutes and chill out. And then you don't want to ruin the evening. I mean, and then it just never gets discussed and then he's over it. So I've come to realize over the last few years that what I do is if it's still something that's bothering me, especially Mm -hmm. after a day or two, and his thing is to just blow it off because he doesn't care and it wasn't important, but I really like need to vent it out or I'm thinking about it. Yeah. I'll say to him, I know you're over this. I really just need to talk about it. I don't want to argue about it. I just like to vent it out and that will allow me to just move forward. I just just need yeah. to say this out loud. Mm-hmm. And he was and then he'll go, "Okay." And then yeah. and then he'll let me do it and then we'll move on. <laughs> so you're a verbal like you need to talk through everything. Yeah. 
Although sometimes we text. Do you guys ever do, do you guys ever have a, like not an argument, but like a disagreement over text? Because sometimes that can be good. Together too much for text. (laughs) Oh, we'll do it from the next room. Yeah. Oh, that's great. You know what? I might try that on the next one. Here's the use emojis in these texts. No, I no, no emojis, but this is what you have to be careful of. So sometimes I think the texting thing is good because it kind of removes the tone, right? Yeah. And the energy from it. But sometimes you can read into the tone mm-hmm. of a text. Mm-hmm. So you kind of, if you're going to do it that way, you have to really take it at, like to take the text at face value and not read into yeah. it. You have to be very just clinical about it. Mm-hmm. You know what? You just reminded me. We have we've done more like apologizing over a text. So sometimes we'll like be talking, and you know it'll be heated, and he'll send a text to me from another room, or maybe he went out and ran an errand, and he's like, "Hey, I'm really sorry. You know, I I said it that way. I'm super busy, and I completely just didn't even realize that I was being a total jerk." And so we do a lot of like mini apologies and then it's done. Like then we don't talk about it when we see each other next. Or it's just like, yeah. thank you so much for, for me, it's like, thank you so much for acknowledging. And that's it. That's what I say now. So it's exactly. just like. exactly, And that, oh my, yes. And so, okay. So we've done the same thing. And, and, and yeah. honestly on the let it go moment, if we get into like a dumbass fight for two seconds, cause we don't fight about anything real, to be honest with you. It's like yeah. someone's cranky. <laughs> Oh, like it happened the other day. I walked in the room and I wrote, I love you. I'm sorry. That was just stupid. Let's just move on. Whatever. Mm -hmm. So I've been dealing with my mother. Mm -hmm. I was starting to tell you and Mm -hmm. I needed to vent it out. Now, anyone knows, especially females, that you never like tell your mom that you've broken up with your boyfriend until you're sure you're not getting back together with them, right? Because as soon as right. you tell them <laughs> you've, you've broken up now, they're going to tell you everything they hate about him and da 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 da. And then you can never, and like, and you don't want to hear it. You could say whatever you want, but you don't want them talking about them, right? Right. So when I've been right. venting, every time I vent about my mother, he starts adding to the pile. And he's not oh. wrong, but I'm go- mm-hmm. I keep going, Shut up. Stop. You just slip it. <laughs> and this morning he got up very early. It was like 5 a.m. So we've been kind of like, I've been a little irritated with him for the last couple of days intermittently because of his response to my venting over this. Right. This morning he was up early and I just not sleeping well. So I happened to be up. It was 4.45 this morning. And I go, hi. I go, no, no, we're talking. And I said something about my mother and what was going on. And he, he goes, I got to go. And he leans over. He goes, I'm really sorry that you're having to deal mm. with this. I love you. And he kissed me and he left. And I thought, good job. That is exactly <laughs> what I needed to hear. That was so sweet. He just acknowledged mm. my feelings and got out of there and said nothing inappropriate. It was awesome. Oh my God. It, it's those moments where you're just like, all of these years together. So just, good. This is... This is so great. It's like so such great. a sweet spot when they, when they just, it's just exactly what you needed. Hey, hey, I just want to take a break real quick to let you know 
that if you're scaling your business at all this year, like I am, you're going to want to find great people to help you. And Indeed can help you hire great people faster and only pay for the results and get back the time that you need in your schedule. Indeed.com is the hiring site that helps you find quality candidates instantly with Indeed Instant Match. So you can do the part you really need faster, meeting and hiring great people. Unlike some hiring sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility, delivering a quality short list faster. Indeed searches through the millions of resumes in their database to help show you great candidates instantly. With Instant Match, you see a list of great candidates with zero weight. And Indeed delivers four times more hires than all other job sites combined, according to Talent Nest. Want your quality short list fast? You need Indeed right now. Our listeners get a free $75 credit to upgrade your job post at indeed.com slash happy. This is Indeed's best offer available anywhere. Get a free $75 credit at indeed.com slash happy. Indeed.com slash happy. Offer valid through March 31st. Terms and conditions apply. Let's get back to the show. Okay, so I don't want to dig too deep into your mother if that's not something you want to talk about, but is this a reoccurring is it a reoccurring conversation? The thing that you're dealing with? Um, well, the reoccurring a lot, personality trait. There's a lot to unpack there. I mean, that could be 12 other shows, but what I'm dealing with right now, <laughs> what I think is interesting to talk about is this whole thing about parents who are aging and how you Mm -hmm. handle it. And so, you know, my dad died a few years ago and and when he passed away, Mm -hmm. I went back to New York and I helped him and got him doctors. They were very non-compliant. That's a whole nother thing. But Mm -hmm. so for the last three years, I've been giving my mom kind of a, a give, you know, and letting her handle things her way, trying to help and being thwarted and all this. But everything's kind of come to a head. And so just what I'm dealing with right now is her, she's got, you know, 14 containers of storage and it's a fortune and, you know, it's been in there for five years and you're just not supposed to store things for this long. It's not a temperature controlled facility. It's like, yeah. I mean, you can imagine the state of things, but uh, you know, she overvalues her things and she hoards everything. And it's just like trying to deal with it across the country And I put together a really great team and I'm doing my best and I'm trying to stay peripheral so that I don't argue with her. But it really is a difficult thing. And I can see from her point of view how hard it must be to be, you know, she's 78. She's very, Mm -hmm. by the way, healthy, young, very pretty. She has a very long life to live. She wants her things. She wants whatever. Yep. But I can understand that thinking about the rest of your life and how you're going to manage it is, you know, upsetting and concerning. And but she does, she shouldn't have to be that way because things should be fine. But she's just being very difficult. And as her child to try to deal with it, it's just a lot. And it just brings up so many conversations between me and Terry about like our parents and, you know, the ones we've lost already, the ones we still have. And then our kids Mm -hmm. and how are we managing our lives and their lives so they will never have to have these conversations and, and set them up correctly. And I'm not talking about leaving money. That's not what I mean. I'm not talking about money because 
look, I, and I said this to my parents, spend it all. It's your money. You don't have to leave us a dime. Right. I, I don't care whether we had money or not. That's not mm-hmm. your obligation. Your obligation, I feel like as a parent, is to raise healthy, hum- healthy, happy, functioning humans and set them off in the right direction. And then that's their responsibility to find their passion in life and make something of themselves. And, and if you can help them out, fabulous. But it's not your obligation to leave them money. Mm-hmm. Agreed. But it's also not a cool thing to leave your kids with a shit show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's it's, the situation I'm finding myself in. So is it that you'll be left with that later or you're feeling right now that there's a lot to take care of? There's a lot right to take. Moment? Yeah, there's a lot to take care of right now. And there's been a lot to take care of right now. And it's just been like years, even before my father died of arguing with them and and trying to get them to make a plan and organize and, and, and just like mm. never did it. And so you don't have power of turning over people. You can't force them. But then at the end of the day, you're the one left holding the bag. And it's not just financially tolling, mm-hmm. it's physically and emotionally exhausting. And, um, it's just been so much to deal with. And it's just, and I said to my mother, I go, I don't want to fight with you for the rest of your life. Hmm. Why don't we just get to a spot where this is all handled and you're happy because you can be happy. If you take these following steps, you're good. And then you'll be fine. By the way, she would die if she heard this conversation. This yeah. is why I could talk about it on your show and not mine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was like, well, we'll we'll try to hide this from her. We'll we'll no, see no, her. No one alert her, please. It's very private. No one should know anything. But I'm just saying, <laughs> I, mean, I don't think I'm giving away too many details, but I'm just saying, like, I just don't want to fight with her. But she's also someone, and I don't know if you've found this with older relatives, that want to rehash the past. Yes. I so I have I have some oh, I have some questions for you. Yeah. So I'm feeling like I'm having this in my life in different family members right yeah. now who are, it, we're kind of in this position. Um, we're having a lot this year of that moment when you realize, wow, you, we are going to have a lot to take care of. Um, you know, Chris's dad just passed uh, this last June. So Sorry. it's been kind of, thank you. It's been that, that just is that, you know, the moment where you're like, wow, the, now there's a lot to take care of. Cause it was so unexpected. He was a super young 72. The man would bike ride 20 miles a day, worked on the house. Like we just so unexpected, right? Like we oh. just did not see this coming. And I'm wondering just with, it makes me think about, you know, my parents, his mom, all of the things it's, did that generation, and I know this is, you know, obviously generalizing, but I, I can find it and see it sometimes even in, you know, my mom, like, did they not learn how to make themselves happy? So, and, and do they rely on us for happiness or their children? Do you, do you feel that way? Like, it's like such a reliance or is that just me that I'm feeling that way? By the way, I, if it were that, I would actually be happy because <laughs> I feel, I mean, from my point of view, what I've seen from my world, it's all been very selfish. Mm. And so I know a lot of, I, I will tell you this, I know a lot of older people got caught financially in 08, 09 and, you know, made decisions that weren't maybe the best financial decisions. Things happen to people. And, you know, when, when things happen, 
you help them and you take care of them. And like you're saying, unexpected things happen and everyone's, you know, you circle the wagons and you take care of things. Mm -hmm. But what I've noticed with my experiences and some experiences of my friends and their families is that it's not that. It's more of like this, (laughs) it's so weird to me. It's almost like a childish entitled behavior Mm -hmm. that I don't understand. I, I really honestly don't. Some of it may be that they think, well, we took care of our parents, so they should take care of us. I don't feel that way. I feel like I'm taking care of myself and I'm, you're my kid. I'll take care of you. And then you take care of you and you take care of your family. It's your turn. Yeah. So is that kind of what you're the pattern that you want to break? Cause I know like every single, I feel like a lot of with, with, just where we're at in the world right now, I feel like a, a, a lot of people who are kind of like waking up to want to be better, right? Better, better for themselves, better for their families, like yeah. wanting to break these generational patterns. What are some generational patterns that you want to break ending with you? Absolutely communication in every sense okay. of the word. Like I said, I, I had a very non, like a very not warm and fuzzy and now yes. that you know me a little bit, you can see I'll talk about anything. I'm just like, <laughs> love me, love me. Let's talk about it. Do I suck at that? Okay, how can I fix it? I want to yeah. always try to be better. And with my children, I have four children that are very, very different and um, very different personalities, different sexual identities, different, like all just very, all just very different. And, mm-hmm. you know, you can't parent them all the same way, but you are the same person, but my whole pattern breaking is communication. I have mm-hmm. a very good relationship with all of my children. We talk about everything. I'm not their friend, meaning we're friends, but I'm their parent, yeah. which has always been important. But we they can tell me anything, they, and they have told me so much. And you know what's really cool? I don't know what your relationship, because you've, you've shared with me about your upbringing and the church and all mm-hmm. that. So I don't know what that dynamic was like with a one-on-one with your parents, but with me, like I didn't have like a one-on-one relationship with my parents. No, me either. Like when Mm -hmm. my sister went to college and my dad was traveling, my mom and I would like have dinner together, I guess, if I wasn't at play rehearsal, but I never, I always felt awkward. I can have dinner. My twins just turned 17 and Mm -hmm. my son, Nick, I have dinner with him alone and we're all the time. We'll go places, we'll do things, we'll sit and have dinner. It is so not awkward. And to some people listening, that they may go, so I didn't grow up like that. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, it's so funny. I think I just saw like you were, I watched some of your stories recently and that literally stood out to me. I was like, they're hanging out. Oh, I was not shopping. Yeah. 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 You were shopping. And I was like, they're, they're hanging out and it, actually appears as though he is having fun. (laughs) I was like, that is a relationship that I want because I did not have that. It it was very like, I would avoid that because it felt weird to me because they wouldn't know what to talk to me about. And I wouldn't know what to talk to them about because we had no dialogue. There was no dialogue besides like what's for dinner and what are you doing? Where are you going? And then I guess, you know, I feel like my mom made an attempt to like ask about my life, but it felt more like prodding. Like instead of like actual interest, it felt more like, and maybe because of the religious background or maybe because I never gave her 
we never had that dialogue. Maybe it just felt like, where's this coming from? Why do you want to know that? I I don't know. It's just how you keep that open. Like, how do you think that you started that with your kids? Like having it feel natural? It's a good question. I think partially it's just because that's who I am as a person. It's, Mm -hmm. it's odd. Like I, I'll talk to my aunt and be like, don't you think it's weird I came out of this family? Like my nuclear family? And she's like, <laughs> yes, <laughs> I do. But I think that just from the beginning, I just embraced the fact that number one, I knew that I had never even held a baby before. I had no mm-hmm. idea what the heck I was doing. And we, I was going to figure it out as I went along, but I was always going to have open communication and do the best I could. That doesn't mean Mm -hmm. I've done everything perfectly, but do the best I could. And I actually, I will tell them, and my kids will tell you this, especially with the twins, because they're the oldest. Mm -hmm. It was like six months ago. So they were still 16. And and Max, my daughter said, was saying, why does he get to this? And I get to that. And I go, I don't know. I go, I've never had a 16 year old before. I'm figuring this out for the first time, just like you're figuring out Mm -hmm. what it's like to be a 16 year old. I got to think about that. I don't know the answer. And Mm -hmm. I think being honest with them and, 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 you know, showing them that you're not omnipotent and that you're not omniscient and that you have flaws and that, you know, you can apologize when you're wrong. I mean, all of those things lend itself to having human relationships with your kids hmm. and listening. So how you're willing to show up. Yeah. And listen, that's huge because, and, and listening, like being kind of like how we both love when we're acknowledged by our husbands, like them feeling acknowledged. Cause I could see how it might be easy to like disregard, you know, I'm not a parent yet, but I could see how it would feel easy to kind of disregard their opinion. If I believed something else, you know, to maybe just be like, no, that's not how we want it. Right. And I think you and I both probably because of the backgrounds, it was like, there was a lot of uh, talking at us their mm. opinions of the world, which were be- being given as, you know, what's right and wrong, yeah. as opposed to bringing up conversational topics and different points of view so kids can think. I mean, there's a really big difference there. And that might be a generational thing, but I think our generation is so much better and more self-actualized at that and listening mm-hmm. and, and, you know, cause I'm curious how they think and what they're getting from social media and, and their friends and life. I learn yeah. a lot from them. Yeah. You know, I, I think looking back on like cues I picked up on is that other perspectives from friends, you know, their friends or outside people, like they weren't welcome. So it was kind of like perspectives weren't welcome. So if you, right. if I felt different, I remember thinking like, oh, I can't share this. So I think that can make you feel shut down a lot, which is why now I have a podcast and you have a podcast is I'm like, ain't no one shut me down. Tell me all the perspectives. Like, <laughs> Tell me. And that's, I'm so curious, right? Cause I don't want to have one perspective. And sometimes when I notice I'm really going into one perspective, like I think right now in history, it's really easy to like, you know, find a perspective or, or feel very passionately, but I always want to stay I want to know why other people feel a certain way. Like what background did you come from that makes you think this way? Or why do you, why do you think this is so important when I think this is like completely opposite? So, um, you know, I think that that gives us 
just power as human beings. It gives us, uh, and it makes us less miserable because I think it's actually quite miserable to be stuck in a perspective because then you just go around in your life thinking everyone else is wrong or different or separate, you know? A hundred percent, but it's hard if you have anyone's ever had anyone in their life that's narcissistic or... Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's (laughs) it's a lot to grow up like that and, you know, and to come out mildly sane. So I think, you know, Mm -hmm. it's like anything else. It's, you know, how you come out of situations. You either go one way or you go the other way. But it's funny how you and I both, even though we have different backgrounds, sort of manifest itself in the talking, but, (laughs) but also the listening. And like I said, Mm -hmm. the listening is so important because like you, when I, when, you know, I do my show and, and, and I have guests on, I feel like I, if I walk away with one pearl, Mm -hmm. just one pearl that I go, huh. Or even if that person's energy just Mm -hmm. sort of lifted me, like it was funny. I was telling you right before we started. So, um, I, I recorded earlier with, um, Louise Rowe. Do you know who she is? Mm-mm. She's a designer. Go look her up. She's fabulous. Okay. Love her. She's British and she was a reporter for a long time and worked for She's very cool and she's got this new home line cut. You'll like her. She's very cool. Okay. <laughs> anyway, so I was talking to her and I was like so happy when, when it was over, meaning I just felt so uplifted. And then I was dealing with my mother. And literally <laughs> the moment I saw your face pop up on my screen for this call, I was so happy again. So, oh. you know, I just feel like if you get that moment, mm-hmm. that pearl, that energy from that person, that's what it's about for me. Oh man, I I couldn't agree more. It's so funny. I'll be having a bad day and I'll go up in the room and like come floating down the stairs. And Chris is like, okay, you had a great podcast. He's like, I'm so <laughs> grateful for those podcasts. Like, I am so grateful too, because they, it's human connection and interaction. And like you said, there's, there's these moments where someone will say something like already, Heather, I've taken so much just from like the perspective of how you, um, with, with your children, how you want to like connect and, and keep that conversation open with, you know, how you're just the communication style. And I think communication truly changes everything in every single relationship. Um, but it's, it's human connection and listening. Like you said, that just, well, it will rock your world and like listening to people sometimes in your like everyday life or in the everyday world, when we actually used to like go around and be in Starbucks lines and things like that, that sometimes those are the moments where you'll just get these random nuggets from people that you're like, wow, like I I really believe that all of the things that we need are being delivered through people. If we would just kind of actually give ourselves the time to acknowledge humans, because they're they're not obstacles. They're actually there to like make us grow. It's It's funny, but you know what what that makes me think of is that, you know, we've become so cyber, right? And so we've all been talking for so long about how everyone's on their devices and there's very little person-to-person interaction anymore. And then this whole lockdown. And I think everyone thought there would have to be World War III and all technology would have to go away for people to start communicating again. But I just weirdly feel like this pandemic is doing that and and bringing, weirdly bringing people back together in an interesting, connected way. Mm -hmm. I've actually, I feel that way too. I feel like I've connected deeper with more people through this than I had like for the past two years. Yeah. And I don't know if that's because I have more time and I'm more 
selective maybe with the people that I'm actually wanting to reach out to. Maybe. Um, and some of those people who I wanted to connect with bef- before, they're like now more accessible because I guess they're more at home and they're they're a little bit more dropped in because so many of the women that I either had connected with briefly, like, you know, they're so busy or they're flying to all these appointments or they are always doing something. And it's kind of like, well, I'm going to let, I'm going to leave that be because I'm not going to try to, you know, like right. add one more thing to their plate where I've found like people are really willing to drop in a little bit more. So I, we've yeah, gotten some huge. time back. Mm-hmm. We've definitely gotten some time back. So what is something right now, Heather, that is like, what are you loving to talk about? Like what lights you up? Like what is in your sphere right now that you're just like, I could talk about that for hours. I know there's a lot. Um, th- yeah, there is. Uh, aside from like, you know, I love my family and, mm-hmm. and talk about my kids forever and Terry, I would say two things. Okay. Number one, we're building a house in Idaho. Oh, fun. Amazing. We went, I've, I had never been to Idaho. Okay. My I hear girlfriends. Yeah. My, my girlfriend canceled dinner on us in July, June, June, when we were having outdoor eating. And uh, mm-hmm. I said, why? She goes, we're going to Idaho. I'm like, why Idaho? That's mm-hmm. random. Anyway, they had bought a lot. He's in a builder and and the next time they went, I went, I fell in love. I bought a lot and we're building this house. And I have like looking at my latest little sketch right here. And um, we're going to break ground in a couple weeks. And so exciting. I love being creative. I love design. Mm. Um, and it's funny because that's one of those things when we were talking before about like what your childhood does to you and your parents. Like my mother was an interior designer. Mm. and an artist and all. She's very, very talented. But I never thought I was good at that or I always like double check my taste or whatever. And, and then yeah. when I realized I didn't care what anyone else thought, that was like a big aha yeah. moment for me. And I just said, I'm just going to do what I like. And I don't care if anyone likes it or not. Yeah. And then people actually liked it, which is great. But as long as I like it, that's all I care about. But yeah. we've never actually lived in a house longer than three years. I mean, my oh, wow. twins are 17. I think they lived in 12 houses. Wow. So I thought for sure that we would be moving on. And Terry said he's never leaving this house. So when the Idaho thing came up and it was in the middle of, you know, some of my projects that I was working on got postponed or shut down or canceled Mm -hmm. in the middle of all this, as many people's projects did. And I was kind of like that creative outlet, like it just started pouring into this thing and it was so exciting. And I love thinking about it. And I, I can see the house already. I already have like a 3d rendering of it and we're about to go into structural. I love it so much. And what I really love about this house, not just the designing of the house and the furniture, like all that stuff, but I really see it as like a place that I'm building for my family to escape to. Like if there's, if everyone's happy or you just got engaged or you just broke up with someone or mm. you're feeling blue, I want everyone to have this place to go to that no matter where they live, they can always go there. It's their place. Yeah. They have their rooms, they have their area, they know it. It's it's really beautiful and the nature there and the trees mm. and the lake. And it's just very, like you can breathe deeply there. Mm. It's really nice. So uh, that feeds my soul. And um, I'm working on some new TV projects. Terry and I have something that we're working on called Seven Year Stitch Mm -hmm. that, you know, had gotten put on hold, but it seems like we're going to start 
filming in maybe February, hopefully. So that's kind of fun. Mm-hmm. And then some other things, you know, I'm like always pitching and yeah, juggling. You're super creative. You, it's like super, um, you know, from design to like pitching ideas to business. That's that's like such a creative energy. Does it feel like if you don't like, do you need a lot of outlets for that? Do you love being busy in that arena? I like yes. being busy, period. Okay. I really do. I We've lived in this house four years. I'll tell you, I have sat on the couch and done nothing twice ever <laughs> in four years. That is the honest to God truth. That's why having no vacations has been mm. difficult because... Because, and especially because like I do a lot of work from home, my YouTube channel or my podcast, whatever. I can do a lot of it from my house. So there's always something to do here. So it's like, even when I'm home, I'm at the office. You know what I'm saying? So, and then when you take away any sort of traveling because you can't, that can be very difficult. But I have found, because a lot of people ask me, you know, about the balance of kids and work and all of that. Mm-hmm. I'm very, very present with my children. I really am. But I'm also present with my desire to work and create content and make myself happy in those arenas because that's the balance is that everyone needs their time and everyone mm-hmm. needs to be happy. And you can't, and and not everyone needs an equal amount of time. It is the squeaky wheel. Sometimes I yes. need more time. Sometimes mm-hmm. that one needs more time. Sometimes it's Terry. So you, that's the balance is figuring out how to like fix the pyramid, you know? Mm. You know, I, I, I look for examples because I, we want to have children still. I'll be an old mom. It's going to be great. And I don't I'm an old mom. Old it's life. okay. Yeah. yeah. It's my, my mom had my brother when she was uh, 40. So I, I think that's always been an example for me. I'm like, ah, I got time. And then I'm like, well, I'm going to be 40 actually this uh, Sunday. So I was like, you know, maybe oh my God, happy birthday. Thank you. <laughs> it's like, I should start you know, thinking about that. Um, but it's, it's just talking about that just totally like when I escaped my brain, what were we talking about, Heather? (laughs) No, but I had, I had my last child at 42, by the way. See, that's what I, okay. So I'm always looking for examples of people who have either had children older or examples of uh, women who are super creative, keep up that side of themselves while they have children and work it in. Because I, I feel like what I've heard so much throughout my life is when you have kids, you're going to have to give that all up. So I, and and that's not, I won't, I won't be able to breathe if I give up my creativity and working on something like that's who I am. I love to work on things, you know, you don't, but that's the misnomer and that's, that's where it gets funky. And that's why so many of us struggle Mm -hmm. for so many years, but you're lucky. And I, I would say all like new moms now are lucky because of the way you can create content. When I was a, when my kids were first born, you know, we didn't have all this stuff. So I was an actress. So like you, you know, I couldn't go on auditions. I'm pregnant or I have these little babies at home. You know, it just wasn't as easy to create content and do everything that you can do now. So I think it's such a, it's the best time ever to be able to juggle all these things. And here's the thing. There's no perfect time for anything. People that have kids when they're super young, they're empty nesters when they're super young and that allows them to do those things then. People like us who have kids when we're a little older, we got to do things I we never would have done had we had kids younger. Trips, jobs you would have taken, anything. I was on a set mm-hmm. for 17 hours a day. I probably would never have done that with children. So 
it doesn't really matter. It just kind of all works out. And it's just part of the next part of your adventure. And you figure out, I'll, all right, I'll, let me, I'll put it to you this way. I had a, a friend who was an attorney, Steve, who said to me, and I'll never forget this because he and his wife was also a high level executive. So the two of them had big jobs and mm-hmm. they were married and they had, they ended up with two kids. But when they had the first child, he said that the two of them had talked and they decided, look, we're grownups and we have this life. And we are inviting this child to be a part of our life. We're not going to be their life. They're going to now be a part of our life. Mm, and wow. that's what they did. And they're, by the way, I'm not, they're not selfish. They're phenomenal parents. They have great kids. They're functioning and happy and great. But I just sort of liked that attitude yeah. of, yeah, welcome on in. But here's how we do it. <laughs> right. You're welcome to be here, but we're going to do this for now. Yeah. That's amazing. Oh, I love that. Oh my gosh. Okay. So I could talk to you all day and our time is, is, um, passing by super quickly. What is something that you wish more people knew about you or asked you? I wish more people, I don't know. Does this sound obnoxious? I mean, I wish more people knew I was funny. Is that silly? So I, So I've done stand-up. I started my whole career as a sitcom actress. It's always was my thing. And then when I got thrust into the reality world, Mm -hmm. it was very difficult for me. And you know, I was very nervous to be on there. And what was everyone going to think? And my mother and this, and I was very buttoned (laughs) up. And and of course, and then I come off as this like very buttoned up, pretentious, da-da-da-da-da-da-da, whatever. And then Terry, who thought this was the funniest thing ever, and now on Botch, so he, how hilarious he is. And by the way, my <laughs> husband's super funny. I love him. He's hilarious. But what's, what's amusing is people that have known me my whole life understand that I'm funny, whatever. And then people that know me from the show, perhaps, and maybe don't listen to my podcast or whatever, they don't really know. And so it was funny. We were out to dinner recently with a, two couples and one couple, the husband, I didn't know very well, but he's, uh, he's in Hollywood, an executive, and he, he knew of my former career, but like, mm-hmm. didn't, like, but didn't know, didn't watch those shows. All right. Yeah. And so, and we were out to dinner and when we were done, dinner, he goes, I never realized how funny you are. And I thought that's so Am I, does that make me happy that he said mm-hmm. that? Or does that make me sad that no one knows I'm funny? And then <laughs> maybe, is it just me that thinks I'm funny now? No, I think I'm funny. I still am funny. No, I'm okay. I could do, but it's just, it's just, that's what I guess I wish people knew. People that know me know I'm funny, mm-hmm. but it's just like, that's never, um, it hasn't been my character on television in a long time. Mm-hmm. I, I actually relate to that because I think I'm super funny and I feel like there's been a lot of things that I've done that are like my book's not super funny. And like my, like sometimes when I'm on, it's just when I'm on things, it doesn't bring out, you know, I'm talking more on personal development or things like that. And I'm like, wait, this is really, it really bothers me if you don't know, like I will have to, and sometimes you share it and then you're not funny for that time period. You're with that person. And you're like, 
oh my God, I'm that person who thinks they're funny and I'm not. And they're not. <laughs> yeah, it's annoying. Um, but anyway, that is amazing. And I've loved this time with you. I'm so grateful for you. And you guys, um, Heather has an amazing podcast called um, Heather Dubrow World. And you have like a zillion quadrillion listeners because you're hilarious and, and you're fun and you're brilliant. And v- very funny, apparently. And very, very funny, you guys. <laughs> Go leave a review and tell her how funny she is. <laughs> Someone tell me I'm funny. Someone just tell her she's funny. Anyone. Anyone. (laughs) Anyone. And you guys, if you loved this podcast, make sure that you uh, tag Heather, let her know what your biggest takeaway was from the podcast and just let her know how much you loved it. So you guys, until next time, earn your happy. Bye everyone. Thank you guys so much for spending this time with me on the Earn Your Happy podcast. I am so glad that you stopped by. If you could take one second to share this episode with someone you think would love it, that would be absolutely amazing and we would be forever grateful. Also, please leave us a review if you feel so moved by going to iTunes and leaving us an honest thought and honest comment. Tell us what you think. Tell us what you want to hear more of. It would really help us out on our journey to helping thousands and thousands of people. Until then, don't forget to earn your happy. Thanks again, guys. Bye-bye. Hey, I know if you're listening to this podcast that you have big dreams and big goals. And one of the things that can really stop you is struggling with your marketing. Trust me, I have been there. Are you using 10 different systems just to build your online business? Then I want you to try Kajabi. Kajabi helps you build your web pages, set up funnels, and sell your courses, content, coaching, or communities. You've been hearing me talk a lot about funnels on this podcast and the importance of your email list. You can get a free trial at kajabi.com. That's K-A-J-A-B-I.com. I've talked about Kajabi before, but here's something that's super cool and new. They just rolled out an AI assistant for creating your online course curriculum. And this means you just type in a topic that you want to create on a course or webinar and bam, it's just generates a sample outline for you. It takes a ton of the hard work away. Of course, you're going to customize it to be your own, but this really helps you get over the struggle of how in the world to start which is where most people stop. If you're like me, starting is always the hardest part and that's what makes Kajabi so popular. They've made it easier for creators to build web pages, build courses, build coaching programs, build membership sites, build checkout pages, and build email funnels. So if you're struggling with any of those, you gotta go check it out. Go to kajabi.com. Kajabi was really the first all-in-one system and is trusted by over 100,000 creators. I think that's good enough for me. Also as influencers and marketers use this. And now their smart AI platform makes it easy to take what you know and turn it into an online course and business. Go start building with a free trial at kajabi.com. That's K-A-J-A-B-I.com. Hey, do you know what the big secret is this year? And it shouldn't be a secret because this should be your biggest focus. It is building your community. I am 
always working on building and nurturing my community and everyone is talking about the power of community. Without an online community, you just cannot grow organically or create a real movement, which is what I know that we're all after. And you can build trust or monetize your audience. When you get community right, not only does your audience grow faster, but so do your sales. But where's everybody gonna be managing their communities these days? And a lot of online entrepreneurs and thought leaders are turning to circle.so. Circle is an all-in-one community platform. It lets you host content and create discussions, live streams, group chats, and memberships all under your own brand. And what's so cool about Circle.so is that you don't even need a website or Facebook group. Instead, Circle lets you build your own community site where you can host content and manage your members. You can even create locked and unlocked content spaces, groups, and classes. How freaking cool is that? You can put your content behind a paywall too, and you can charge different amounts of money for different spaces on your community site. Circle.so is famously easy to use, and it has a free 14-day trial for you, so you can go check it out, see if you like it, see if you love all the options. Just go to circle.so. Go check it out right now, you guys. Imagine being able to manage your community, start group chats and live classes, and accept payments all in one place. Kind of mind-blowing since this is usually spread all over the place. You have to log into so many different things. If this is the year to capture, organize, and monetize your community, head over to circle.so. You can get a free trial and start building your online community right now. Just go to circle.so. You guys, you get the 14-day free trial. So just go and see if it's for you. It's going to streamline everything and make your life so much easier. It's so freaking cool. Hey, thanks for listening to the podcast. And I want to make sure that you have my phone number and I'm not kidding. Did you know that I have a community text number for real? My phone number is 310-496-8363. This goes directly to my phone. All you have to do is text the word daily to 310-496-8363. And I literally text you every single day, Monday through Friday, I actually just got done 30 seconds ago texting a bunch of people back and I talk to you all of the time. You guys, people always ask me how I got my community text number and how it works. Well, all you have to do is you can just go to community.com and get your own. Community makes it easy to get a phone number that you can use to build your audience using text. People just text you at your number and they're added to your group. Then you can text them out audios, video links, anything you want. You guys, I text out happy birthday videos. I love to send podcast links, thoughts about life, book recommendations, uh, different events that I'm doing in the local area. Texting gets me out of the noise of social media and directly into your hand. And now you can start texting your people too. Just go to community.com to get your phone number. They give you a 10 digit real phone number, not those weird short codes that look like spam, but it's more than a phone number. Your new number comes with an inbox for SMS and texting. This means you can actually manage your text list from your computer and an app on your phone. You can schedule texts to send at certain times and to certain groups. You can even set up auto replies or let your assistant or customer service team answer your text messages via community's awesome dashboard. Just go to community.com and ask for a free demo. They'll show you how it works and get you your number. It's time to start texting your audience versus just posting on social media. Everyone uses community 
for that. So go check them out at community.com. I can tell you it's not just great for communicating with my audience, but Chris and I use community and our texts to also sell out our launches. I'm telling you, you get such an incredible response because you really are creating a true deep sense of community and it's so intimate. It's freaking amazing. Go check it out at community.com.